Hello and welcome to the Berman Hour podcast. I am your host, Jeff Berman, and welcome to the Into Oblivion series on the Berman Hour podcast, where I'm talking to the personnel involved in making the new Divided Heaven record with me. The new Divided Heaven record is called Oblivion, hence the Into Oblivion series moniker. Oblivion comes out on February 4th, 2022 on AF Records in North America and Gunner Records in Europe, and you can pre-order this record now by going to dividedheaven.com. Now, normally, the Berman Hour podcast is a fan-supported and listener-supported podcast with some additional help from a sponsor. Primarily, we've had New Wave Flow State Coffee as a sponsor for the last year and a half. But we're taking a little break from that now to focus on the new record, to focus on this wonderful personnel that made the record with me, and all of the great work they're doing in their own musical endeavors as well. So that being said, if you are inclined to help out the Berman Hour podcast with some production costs, there is a link, an ACAST link. ACAST is our digital distributor. An ACAST link at the bottom of the podcast description on whatever app you are listening to this podcast on currently. You click on that link, it sets up through the PayPal thing, and you can throw some cheddar if you're so inclined. Personally, I would prefer that you just pre-order this new record because I am damn proud of it. Worked with some great people, as you're going to hear throughout the rest of this series. And that's pretty much it. Thanks as well to punknews.org for partnering with me in this podcast series. I can tell that uh, the commenters on punknews.org are having a field day with me getting so much coverage but sometimes you just gotta be the squeaky wheel. You know what I'm saying? Beginning of the End, the new Divided Heaven single, Beginning of the End, which was produced by Frank Turner, came out last week. And the shortest song I've ever released, for sure. It was certainly a feather in my cap to, you know, work with Frank on a couple of songs. We're gonna be releasing another song that we worked together on in January. But yes, the new single, Beginning of the End, is now available to stream and listen to worldwide. So Burn Me is out, Beginning of the End is out, and there'll be some more stuff before the record comes out. I don't want to get into it yet, but my guest this week is Randy Moore. You know him from the Moore Family Band, from Get Married, from Decent Criminal. He's played in Tiny Stills. He's, I feel like he's always filling in, you know, and I always wanted him to play in Divided Heaven, but the timing never worked out until I was like, you know what, Randy, I got this song you should shred a Randy Rhodes-style guitar solo on this song. And he did. He recorded the guitar solo on a song called Oblivion, the title track for the record, and uh, it's amazing. I can't wait for y'all to hear it. But enjoy, in the meantime, enjoy my conversation with my friend Randy Moore. Let's get it. I'm just excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> You're like Akeem in Coming to America. I am very excited to be here. I'm very excited. Yeah. How are you, man? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm how's, good. How's dad life? It's the best. It is, is it? the best. It's not good for making, nay, it's not good for keeping plans, keeping my podcast interview schedule proper. Mm-hmm. that's all out the window when you have a kid because it's, oh, yeah. it's just and but it's delightful it's like i can't talk right now because i have shit on my hands you know oh, i never right. thought i would yeah. say that to somebody <laughs> but i've said that to people 
I don't right now. My hands yeah. are clean. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you've had to have said that on a tour sometime. Like someone has to have passed out and you're like, I'm sorry, I can't talk right now. Dave over here is just not doing a good. <laughs> I probably have. You know, it's weird, like not being on tour for like almost the last tour I did was December of 2019. So not mm-hmm. being on tour for almost two years, it's I forget a lot of that weird inside joke minutia bullshit mm-hmm. that goes right. on. And that's like, that's what I miss. Like, I don't miss the plane rides. I don't miss the drives. I don't miss maintaining a van, you know, it's any of that the, shit. Like, it's the camaraderie. But more than that, it's like the good bullshit. Yeah. You know, no one misses the bad bullshit. If you do, you're just a masochist. But the good <laughs> shit, the good yeah. bullshit. Yeah. Makes it all worth it in the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Thank you for ripping the single best guitar solo maybe I've ever heard on oh. my new record. I mean, holy shit. That's why I needed you. Like, I knew I couldn't play what you played. Oh, come on, man. I'm no, just, I'm serious. I'm just, I'm, just, uh, I'm just doing my thing. What What did I say? Did I say Randy Rhodes to you? I said just Randy Rhodes this. You said, I want it really bluesy. And I was like, okay. And then you're like, imagine if John Mayer was in Black Sabbath. And I was like, all right. Right. That's <laughs> I what like, I did okay. say. Oh I was like, God. all right. <laughs> I was like, I can do that. Yeah. So I recorded this song, Dressed in Blue, at an undisclosed location, which I can tell you off the record later, but I won't tell you right now. Let's just say it was in Bolivia. the state of California somewhere. Oh. It was in oh. Oblivia. Yes, it, it was, was in Oblivia, <laughs> yeah. which is just just north of Burbank in Oblivia. Yeah, yeah. But I recorded this song for the previous Divided Heaven record, Cold War, and it didn't make the cut. And it didn't make the cut because it was long and uninteresting. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my producer, Charlie Stavish, and I went back and kind of revisited it. And I ended up writing some new words. I ended up throwing on some harmonies. We ended up kind of adding some stuff. We ended up using the technology that everybody used to kind of trim a little bit of the fat while still keeping it that weird, you know, very off-kilter, divided heaven sort of version of Black Sabbath, right? Which is very off-brand for us. Right. But there was this point at the end of the song where I just kind of envisioned the ending carrying on its own thing until the lyrics came in. And it's one of those things, it's hard to see the, the forest through the trees, they say. Mm-hmm. When we tracked it, everything kind of made sense. But years later, listening back, it just felt like it dragged on. And that's when I knew there had to be a different part. And, you know, this is the last song on Oblivion. So there's already been, what do we do here? We do a noise solo. What do we do here? We add some synths. What do we do here? So I was like, the last song on the record, I need someone to just rip a fucking guitar solo. Just fucking rip it. And you were the first person that came to mind and you said yes. So thank you for that. Oh, of course. Thank you for asking me to do it. I mean, I've been a Divided Heaven fan since we've met, what, you know, five, five years ago? Yeah. Whenever whenever we played that first Arputiki show. But um, yeah, you. I was living in Orange County and I had Pro Tools all set up and you're like, just send me over whatever you got and started going <laughs> back and forth and you're like, all right, cool. Yeah, I think you gave me two options and then... It wasn't a matter of which one I liked better. It was just 
I worked with Charlie Stavage. You know, which one fits better? Right. And and then we kind of lined it up, and and I think it was the first one. So was that the or was that just like the first two takes that you had done, or had you done a few warm ups? Are you uh, that good? No, I'm I'm, okay. I'm not that guy. I'm not I'm not the guy who's like that's it. You get two. Or you pick one. Uh, like, uh, I definitely jammed on it and saw, saw what I was liking, what I didn't like, and honed in on stuff that I like more. And I, whenever I'm working with someone like that, I always make sure that like they're stoked on what they want because like I could think it's the best guitar solo in the world, but it's your record. So mm-hmm. if you don't like it, then I don't care. So yeah, I was just doing seeing what kind of vibe you wanted to go for, and once you were like john mayer and black sabbath i was like all right got it's it. interesting yeah it's interesting when you kind of use those bullshit mile markers to describe to somebody something to somebody where it ends up kind of making everything complete and by that i mean this record should have been recorded maybe in two studios over the course of six months depending on finances and availability but because of the pandemic, everything changed and I had to do so many things remote. And instead of working with one or two producers, I worked with four and it just like everything kind of multiplied, but keeping everything contained or kind of on track, I should say, mm-hmm. allowed for a lot of creativity that I feel like wouldn't have been on the record had we wouldn't have been in a pandemic. And I would have just recorded the record like I recorded the last two or three. So having you play what you played at the end of the last song on the record, it got me thinking about what's next. And so I think people who are, have the people who know my catalog, like every record sounds different and that's on purpose. Like I don't want to repeat myself or beat a dead horse, mm-hmm. but I think like the, just the little things that you added in that solo, especially at the end, it kind of like it sets the stage for a perfectly blank palette for whatever Divided Heaven does next, which is awesome. Because, you know, like when you hear the last song of a record sometimes and you're just like, well, either A, that sounded like every other song on the record and didn't stick out or B, I don't really want to hear what they do next because I didn't really enjoy this last song. So who knows who gives a fuck, right? Right, right. Yeah. I was like, I, I need... I needed like a crucial spice and you added that to it. So Thank chef's you, kiss. Oh, yeah. that's what I did when I was done recording it. I was like, <laughs> well, <laughs> no. you're in uh, you're in a million bands, but I feel like we should not bury the lead here. And because I just saw something as I was waiting for you to come on, I popped on Twitter and saw that the new Dan Adriano and the bygones is that what it is yeah dan adriano and the bygones and the bygones announced a record it's coming out february 11th and the new single and you're on this fucking record right yeah me and my brother we're on this record dylan bucko oh dylan, my goodness. dylan the bucko the one how did that me. come to be starting with the one of the mini bands <laughs> so for you're people, like i discovered the alkaline trio and i just harassed them for years and years. i and just and then just showed up everywhere i could and um no so uh for people who don't know i'm in a band called get married and uh we put our first lp out on asian man records right and uh again for people that don't know asian man records small diy record label from san jose california and uh 
he's put Mike Park, the owner of Asian Man, has put out uh, Alkaline Trio, AJJ, Bomb Music Industry, Jeff Rosenstock, Joyce Manor, list goes on. But he and Jake had a rapport, and they came to a, a deal that he would put out Get Married's record. Right. And that so, was like a split with Wiretap Records, right? Or like a co-release or whatever? Yeah. Because I think uh, Rob and Mike worked together on releasing yeah. that. So shout outs to both of them for taking care of us for their Absolutely. releasing that record. Just getting to know Mike through that, I uh, would always like harass him for like stories about Skiba and Dan and like <laughs> tour stories and stuff. And he was like, all right, I get it. Like this guy's a huge fan, right? So, but yeah, after a while, uh, he and I, I, he would ask me to like do more Asian man, Aaron stuff. Like at one point I was, transferring all of the merch from the misfits show in la to the alkaline trio show in san diego a while ago so i was like moving up the social ladder in uh, mike park's eyes of uh, right doing Aaron boy stuff but eventually uh the pandemic hit and then once started stuff started opening up he asked if i wanted to like come in and start volunteering and like packing up records and stuff so over the past i would say a year and a half he and i have gotten pretty close and helping out with asian man and making sure that boat is going and uh eventually he was talking about dan wanted to record uh, an acoustic ep with with mike and mike was like i don't know why he wants me i'm i'm i don't know why he wants to do this so uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh mike would come over to my house and we would like do some like acoustic tracks and record some stuff send it over to dan and i was like ah this is cool like i'm working on something that dan adriano is going to be a part of and then yeah. after a month, I didn't hear anything. And I was like, all right, I guess I guess that didn't happen. And I was kind of bummed. But a couple of weeks later, Mike's like, so I'm talking to Andriano and I'm convincing him to fly out here to work on a record from Florida to San Jose to record at District Recording where uh, a lot Is of- Is that in San Francisco? It's in San Jose. It's San Jose, okay. So like, I'm 15 minutes away from the yeah. recording studio. And I was like, if he wants to come, I'll play guitar. He's like, I've already volunteered you. Like, you're going to play guitar and your brother's going to play drums. And I was like, oh, all right. So (laughs) uh, I remember the idea being like thrown out. And it's one of those moments where you're just like, if it happens, cool. And if it doesn't happen, you know, at least I had like the opportunity. At least he knows my name, right? Right. But then I woke up one day and it's an email from Dan being like, hey, guys, so I have these five songs. Here's the demos. Let me know what you guys think. Uh, stoked to be out there in February. And I was like, whoa. So yeah, so basically through Mike, uh, my brother and I met Dan and we got in a studio together. And then after we worked on those five songs, he was like, I have more songs. And we're like, let's keep going. So yeah, like was his initial plan to just do a fucking EP? I don't really know what his initial plan was, but yeah. all I, he, uh, he had some songs in like demo form. And he came out, I think, I mean, this is going to make me sound like an, like an asshole, but I think when somebody says you should play with this guy, you don't always have the highest hopes. So when, I mean, my brother and I were like, all right, let's, let's jam. He was like, okay, these guys can like actually play. And that's, yeah, the- I'm sure, I'm sure you exceeded his expectations. Oh, come on, dude. No, no. Nah. <laughs> uh, no, we got along great, and we just started talking about like stuff we were into. And he's a huge classic rock guy, so half of the record was spent us jamming on like uh, Edgar Winter's Frankenstein or Tom Petty's American Girl, or yeah, I think we jammed like the Beatles at half the time. Like, 
Oh my goodness. It, it was just like us getting to know each other more it, during that process of like writing new songs together. And he would be like, I have this verse in this chorus. What do you think we can do? And we just jam on it. And then he'd be like, give me five minutes. And we'd leave the room and he'd come back and have more. And every day we'd walk in and he'd be like, all right, here's the new song for today. And then we just start tracking it. How many tracks is the record? Tracks 10 songs. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Excellent. That's so fucking cool. That Thanks, is a great man. story. Thanks, man. Yeah. I think it's pretty cool, too. Like, Are there plans for you and your brother to tour with him for that record? Yeah. So uh, the video for Dear Darkness, the uh, title track of the record just came out. And we actually did that video like two weeks ago. Okay. So the, the turnaround time was pretty quick. And we were talking about some uh, some details of uh, touring this record once it gets uh, finally comes out. Nice. Hell yeah. Stoked. That's awesome. Well, I saw recently you were playing with Decent Criminal as yeah, well. Playing with Decent Criminal too. They were a great band, but like I gotta add, like you would you were the third guitarist in that band. Yeah, I don't know like, why. Why are you not just like <laughs> replacing somebody? Like I'm I'm gonna say it. Like you're if you join a band on guitar, chances are that you, Randy, are better at guitar than at least like seven out of the ten dudes i would say <laughs> like so are people like oh we, we don't want to kick out our homie but we do need a better guitar player well let's just add randy on top of it like yeah. how does that work where it's like hmm, we definitely need a third guitar player because well, that seems so over the top right yeah but it's sick iron maiden they got three guitar players boston that's true uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh initially get married was playing in long beach and uh Hunter from Decent Criminal was out there because our friend Sam from Melted and Side Eyes was playing drums for us. And they were friends and he came out and we started talking. And then the next day he was like, hey, man, uh, this was like beginning of 2020. So this is like uh, January 2020. Yeah. And he's like, uh, hey, man, like our guitar player can't go to Europe this summer. Do you want to like come on? And I was like, I'm super down. Yeah. So the... So Tristan, Jesse, Hunter, and I, the four of us, were practicing, getting ready for this L.A. trip. And then, you know, obviously the pandemic hit. And I was like, well, looks like I'm not going to Europe. And once stuff started opening up, Hunter, I guess, was talking to everybody. And they're like, let's just let's just ask Randy to keep playing with us. Because he's, I don't know why, but I'm just like, hell yeah. But Good for you, man. Hey, an opportunity presents itself. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it, you know. <laughs> Well, so are you in that band? Yeah, we're talk, talking about it. We've uh, okay. discussed it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But you've been kind of like a touring member and, you know, like playing local shows member for Odd Robot and Tiny Stills as well. But that was more of kind of a we need somebody pinch hitter sort of situation. Would that be fair to say? Yeah. Hired gun kind of situation. Yeah. There was a yeah. whole tour that I was uh me, Dylan, my brother, and then Kayla, the bass player, get married. We were all uh, tiny. You were Kaylin's band, right? Yeah, we were. We, we yeah. were tiny stills for that band. So, uh, usually, Kaylin's like, if Kaylin can't get somebody locally, she'd be like, "Can you like come down here and do this?" And I, if I <laughs> if I can do it, I'm more than happy to. But yeah, it's all it's pretty cool that like people that bands that I love, such as Decent Criminal, Odd Robot, Tiny Stills, people that I think are genius songwriters, are like, "Do you want to be a part of this?" project 
Yeah. And but you're not you're not in Orange County anymore. You're back in the Bay Area. Yeah. So with the pandemic hit, I moved back home. Dylan okay. moved back home, and my sister moved back home. And then we did the More Family Band, which is another band. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to ask you first about the dynamic of being in a brother band, because, mm-hmm. like I said, you know the the way we met each other was through Get Married, and I want to say that you know there's usually something special about brothers playing together in a band, especially when they're able to you know like harmonize off of each other, or between you and your brother, who's the drummer, you're able to kind of have a rhythmic guitar style because you play to your brother's drumming and you're so accustomed to each other that it just melts together perfectly and you're always in sync what was how does that dynamic change when you involve your sister (laughs) oh man um i have a i i mean I, i think i'm pretty lucky and i have a great relationship with my brother and sister uh i mean there's obvious stuff that you can't go around like bickering but just yeah. take all, take the normal uh, sibling bickering and just apply it to music terms. So, like, I remember when we were recording that record, Dylan and I got an argument over the kick pattern for one song. I was like, no, dude, it's do-get, 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 like some shit like that. And he would be like, no, dude, you're all out of your way. Like, but <laughs> Stay not, in your lane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, hey, yeah, classic Dylan. Yeah, you play guitar, I'll play the drums. <laughs> <laughs> What's the, uh, what are the ages, like, and, and the order? Who's the oldest and, and so on? So I'm the oldest. Okay. Um, and I guess I was uh, a handful. So they waited five years for my brother. Okay. And then my sister followed uh, 18 months after that. Okay. Damn. Yeah, that's a great record. That More Family Band record was a, is a great record. Thanks, man. Thank Do you, you guys have plans to kind of tour on that? Or was that just kind of something as a special project to do? It was kind of up in the air. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we would love to tour. Um, Obviously, you know. We're sitting on some more songs and trying to uh, get the ball rolling on that. But you know, with everything kind of closed down and now kind of opening up, we're trying to figure out everyone's scheduling and trying to do that. But I think for the time being, we'll probably stick to like local shows and stuff like that. Yeah. Was that record always something y'all had in your back pocket? No. You know, great glass in case of emergency? Or was it just a, a circumstance of everyone being locked down for a little bit? Uh, there was a couple songs that I had been sitting on for for some time. Yeah, uh, like the song "Yellow Streets," for example. Six years ago, uh, Dylan, Kayla, and I started a band together, and I just had that song, and that was one of our songs. And then "Get Married" started, so I never really did anything with it. Yeah. And then once we started piecing together stuff here, uh, I remembered that song and. I, if I remembered it six years later, it had to be a good song, right? So I right. was like, all right, cool. So, but I mean, everyone's kind of like, oh, Dylan and Dylan and Randy play music. Like, Alyssa, when are you going to get up there? And at a certain point, she was like, all right, I'm ready. So, <laughs> well, like, who took to what? Did you take to guitar first or did you kind of stumble through other instruments? There's a classic story of me uh, wanting to learn violin uh, okay. as a child. Uh, my dad went out and uh, got one for me, and he rented it for like six months. And I like picked it up, put the bow across the strings, and it made that dying cat noise. Uh-huh. And I just looked at him, and he looked at me, and I put it back in the case, and I didn't touch it again. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I was like five at the time, so I was like, you know what? Maybe this isn't for me. But I just I've been drawn to guitar 
And I'm not sure if my brother was drawn to drums or I just assigned him drums, but <laughs> I was gonna say you have that luxury of the big brother. Yeah. Yeah. I remember there being like pots and pans and like different toys he would hit. And I think once he got his first like first act drum kit from Costco or whatever, it lasted like a day before there was like a drumstick through like the, the head yeah. of the snare or something like that. Sure. So. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And what about your sister? It was just like, well, you just sing. Because, you know, we got everything covered. I mean, if anybody who knows my family and knows my sister, it's not a secret that she's very loud and she's very, uh, she's a presence when she talks. Yeah. So um, our dad's a singer. So uh, I think she's, she sung a lot with him growing up and stuff like that, but she was always mm-hmm. really shy and didn't really like to, like to perform. But once the opportunity came up, I was like, Melissa, you want to do this for real? Because she, she's never been in a band or played a, played a quote unquote show yeah so i guess this would be a question for her but i'll ask you because i'm i'm curious of, of your opinion as an outsider watching her do what she needs to do in the vocal booth or it could have been your bedroom closet wherever you guys recorded that fucking record um but for somebody who's who's such a rookie as she was and you and your brother are well established you've done a lot of touring you've been on a, a number of records how how did she feel kind of even just performing for you guys as her family for the purpose of getting it on tape. We kind of, we ended up doing the record at district, the same place we did uh, okay. a Dan a couple, a couple months earlier than the Dan record, but we demoed everything out in my room. So we had okay. all the tracks set up and I have like a set up here. So her and I would like walk through everything kind of be like, this is what you need. This is like, I'm thinking this here. So we kind of figured every, all like the, the rough patches we figured out before we got to the studio. But once we got in the studio, she was a total pro. She just got in there and Ryan, the engineer was like, can I get one more of those? And she was like, got it. And then like, she just Damn. like, and it was cool to watch how she just totally commanded the whole situation. Did your dad play on the record? The more family band record? He didn't. And I, and I'm super bummed sick that he burn. didn't. Sick burn. Oh I'm my super gosh. bummed that he didn't, but we've talked a lot about him being on the second record. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause I, like, a lot of people who know my family uh, were like, where's the Billy? Where's the Billy song? <laughs> and I was like, maybe we should just have a Billy song on the second record. Yeah. I think that'd be cool. That's fucking great. That'd be, that'd be great. So you were saying Get Married kind of started. I always kind of, there are certain cities in this country that for people who are in the music scene, for lack of a better term, are not in a band. They're in a plethora of bands. San Jose is one of those places. Boston, Chicago is another one where everybody has multiple bands. Was Get Married formed kind of in a vacuum or or was it just during a wild time where everybody was playing in a number of different bands and that was one that just kind of seemed to click for everybody? I was in my first year, first year of college, first year out of high school, and I was in this like... Um, I don't know, like a like a basement type, like emo punk kind of, um, kind of that weird, almost shoegazy kind of band. Yeah. And we played a couple of shows to kill the bats, and at those shows, Jake and I would just start talking about things that we liked, and we ended up liking a lot of the same stuff. And one night, he hit me up and was just like, "Hey, man, I'm gonna start a new band. Do you wanna do you wanna play guitar in it?" And I was like, yeah, I'm down. Because at that point, Jake was just like a legend. 
I had never really like known him as like a person. I, he was just a, like the mayor of San Jose. <laughs> yeah. And he, he yeah. totally was. That was my impression yeah. of him the first time I met him too, which I think was 2013. I played a show with him and I was like, you have like gaggles of people that just seem to follow you around. Yeah. <laughs> this is incredible. It's oh awesome. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I, like growing up and remembering this right now, like my first like DIY punk show was Jake's high school band called Cheers to Door. And okay. I went to school I went to school with the drummer. So I got to I was like, oh like this guy's doing real music stuff. I want to check this out. And it just blew my mind. And I was like, oh my God. So I had like followed Jake through all of the different stuff he had done. Mm-hmm. And I like I loved Kill the Bats and I loved uh you know Cheers to Door and stuff. And so when he I he and I actually became friends, I was like, oh my God, like you're only what people talk about like you're like a real person who has like you know <laughs> so it was cool to see someone like and it is cool to like know jake and yeah and he, i will fight anybody who thinks otherwise but jake is the undisputed diy king of of uh san jose he, he, he doesn't some, even live there anymore he doesn't know? even live there anymore and he still he doesn't need the title. to live there to have that title yeah he, yeah he's done so much for the the bay area scene and san jose specifically it's it's awesome but yeah i mean get married like i feel like that first seven inch happened really quickly or rather you guys had a demo i still have the demo that it's green and then the into the cosmos record and then the lp and that was like i don't i looking back now it seems like it happened in 18 months a or something. yeah yeah but um, i guess it was over the course of four or five years maybe yeah, because I think the first EP we put out is that Four Songs EP. And that was in 2015, 2015, okay. I want to say. Yeah, and I think something really smart that we did was instead of just like doing the thing that like a lot of DIY bands is being like, we're a band now. Like we actually like had music to like back it up. So it's like mm-hmm. we're we're actually a band now. So <laughs> yeah, um, not just an Instagram account. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which, you know, that's a whole other discussion. But <laughs> Oh, let's get into it. I love, I love tearing that shit down. I, I love getting into it. Oh no, it's like who um, do we know? Who do we know that just has an Instagram account for a band that's not a real band? Me. We, we both do. Yeah, we yeah. both. <laughs> it's me. Uh, uh, but <laughs> yeah, I think we we release something every year, pretty much. I think we did the the first EP. Second, then we did the Into the Cosmos, and then we put out that Christmas song, and then we did the full length, and then uh, toured on that for a little bit, and then during the pandemic, we did the the Misfits EP. Oh, that's thing. right. Well, what, besides the Dan record, which is coming out on the 11th of February of 2022, like, can you, are there any other releases for any of these other bands that you're involved in that you can speak to? Decent Criminals working on a record. I don't know how hands on I'm going to be with that, but mm-hmm. I know they have a record coming out. Uh, obviously the, uh, your song I've played on, uh, a friend of ours is in a band called teens in trouble, which we just recorded at district. And I like produce slash played on that. Cool. Sad girls club. I just was on their EP. Sometimes no offense to anybody that I've played on their, on their stuff, but like, it'll be like, Oh, the week before the release. And they're like, Hey, just so you know, this is coming out on Friday. And I'd be like, Oh, hell yeah. I forgot I did this. Like, (laughs) (laughs) fair enough. Fair enough. Do you see yourself evolving into that producer chair? I like it. I like it a lot. I like um, adding the little uh, accoutrements 
on top of it to uh get it to where it's got to be yeah in, in my opinion for stuff i like my my ear because a lot of time people don't like it's like what about this melody line right here of this piano part or i got a lot to learn but <laughs> you're good at it but like do you have any formal training in that world no i don't so know just learning by osmosis and just being hands-on with it um i just love the beatles so I was like, <laughs> okay <laughs> um when it comes to training and stuff like ryan who works at district um during the beginning of the pandemic i was like if i can't play shows i gotta start getting really good at so i would just sit here for hours on end playing with toys and gear and the different you know plugins and stuff like that to try to get listenable stuff which is kind of like where the more family band record came from because it's like i wanted to have songs to like actually practice to mm-hmm. and i just started writing little things and my sister's a way better singer than i am so i brought her in and yeah no formal training but i've learned a lot from from ryan because ryan is uh welcome to me and uh showed me the dark arts of recording as he says <laughs> <laughs> what about the beatles influences your production or the way in which you attack that process they're just so good. Like, if you want to be the best, listen to the best, you know? So, uh, fair enough. Fair enough. But it's more of like hearing something that the artist may not necessarily hear to begin with. You're like hearing little melody lines that they didn't necessarily pick up or stuff like that. But, like, usually it starts with like an acoustic demo. And I mm-hmm. want to stick as much as I can to like what the artist is like. I, I don't want to be the person who's like, all right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to have electronic drum kit. We're going to have all these synths and stuff. Unless you want that, then that's cool. But I, most of the time I'm working with like punk bands and I don't want to take mm-hmm. away from like the essence of like who they're trying to be, but more so like uh, presenting ideas that may not have been at the forefront that they could possibly think is cool or not cool. But same with, same with like uh, doing solos for guitar. It's like, this is kind of the vibe I was feeling, but if it's mm-hmm. up to you, that's the kind of, you know who I hate? What's up, man? People who think the Stones are better than the Beatles. Yeah, that's a rough one. I, that's, I, a, that's a rough one. I'm not going to equate them to Trumpers, but like they're in that they're in that that arena. Ooh, this is a hot take. <laughs> this is a hot. I'm just take. kidding, Internet. I'm just kidding. The yeah. Stones are great, but they're not as good as the Beatles. What's your favorite Beatles record? Oof. It's oh man. Sometimes it's uh, Abbey Road. Sometimes it's Revolver. It's a uh, it's tough. Sometimes it's like uh, the first record, Please Please Me. Like it's all depends on the day, you know. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think if I had to, you know, up against the wall, I had to pick one to be Sergeant Pepper's. I, see another amazing record. But it's interesting you say Abbey Road. That's one that. Because the B side on that record, the way the all the songs, the, the kind of medley at the end of the record, everything, Golden Slumbers, it it kind of, I don't know, I I believe that that certain songs have an ability to a, a great song can give you tinglys in your spine or make you know give you goosebumps or make the hair stand up on the back of your neck, whatever idiom you want to throw at it, right? A yeah. great song can do that. I feel like there are certain songs that tap into our DNA as human beings. It goes in our ears and hits our brains in a way that is fundamentally different than Mercy Me or whatever other song I just happen to like. Mm-hmm. You know, that like it hits on a more visceral human level. 
And I think the reason why I love the Beatles is I have that experience with that with more of their songs than any other band. Totally. You know, I can pinpoint a few killer songs that do that for me or a, uh, a, even a few bouncing soul songs or something. But with the Beatles, there's like a couple dozen that like I'll hear them and like I, I can feel it like in my body in a different way than it's almost as if I'm experiencing the song in a physical manner as opposed to just listening to it and enjoying it. Does that make yeah. sense? Is Golden Slumbers that song for you? It's one of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think part of the magic of it is is that it's so, you know, it's kind of cut off at, at the sweet spot before it goes into uh, you know, she came in through the bathroom window or whatever comes next. Yeah. It's like it, it. it's so good to being perfect. But like if it was actually perfect, it would kill me. It could yeah. be that good. You know, it'd be like the ultimate hit. Right. It's that it's vocal like, performance. Yeah. It's that vocal performance. Yeah, I could talk about the Beatles for a long time. Start a new podcast, just you and me talking about the Beatles. I'm down. <laughs> okay. I am down. Um, I have a new baby, as you, as you know, he's four months old now. Mm-hmm. And from the first day that he was born, when he was crying, and especially when he was a newborn, I would just look at his mouth while he was crying, and it was just, it looked like robotic. It was really strange. Uh-huh. But I would just close your eyes and I'll kiss you. And he would immediately stop crying. And it's still, knock on wood, it still fucking works, right? The genius of the Beatles. Yeah, you know whose songs don't do that to him? Divided Heaven songs. Can't do it. He doesn't give a shit. Try singing Gimme Shelter. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, See if that'll shut him up. Yeah. (laughs) Sympathy for the devil. Get out of here. Yeah. I thought you'd be like, like, yeah, I put uh, Shout at the Devil on and now he's uh, he's great. Yeah. (laughs) uh he does he does like the rhythm there's just it it wasn't a hit but it's not totally a a deep cut off of theater of pain called louder than hell by Mm -hmm. motley crew and it has this kind of like rhythm that like if you hold a baby at that and you just kind of rock them like that he it it calms them down too so it, it doesn't work as well you know because they're singing about violence and yeah, Motley their, lyrics, stuff. their, their lyrics yeah. aren't very good anyway. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I just kind of do the phonetics for that song like But yeah, something about the Beatles, man. Or uh you know, I released um in my life. I I had done that as a uh I, I was commissioned to do a cover of that song and I ended up releasing it as a single for a a great cho- a great cause for, you know, some progressive politics here in my new hometown and I play that song for Thaddeus too, and and it it works. There's something about the Beatles. There's just there's an intangible. Paul McCartney likes to remind Mick Jagger that they wrote Rolling Stones' first hit, right? Yeah, their first their first number one. Mm-hmm. Isn't that? Someone correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's. Yeah. We'll just go with it. We'll just <laughs> yeah. go with it. It's a podcast. They can't talk back to us. There's someone screaming in their car right now. They're like, "Oh, and... you're so dumb!" Like, yeah. Well. Maybe we'd pay more attention if the Rolling Stones were actually a great band, but they're not. They're just good. They're good. They're I mean, great. okay, they're, Rolling Stones are a great band. You can fight this battle. I'm not going to participate, but... Your word's not mine, right? Your yeah. word's not mine. Oh, shit. <laughs> all right. Something that you were doing, I think, in the beginning of the pandemic, we were all kind of flailing chickens without our fucking heads. Like It was like we were going through like attention withdrawal. So we were all throwing all this shit on Instagram live or whatever. But you were doing these like interesting solos or just playing specific riffs from 80s bands. 
And I want to say that you were doing the solo for Mr. Crowley, and I was just mesmerized by that. Um, is that an era of music that you really gravitate to? Yeah. My mom has been a huge influence on like the type of music that I like. And she grew up doing 80s metal stuff. And yeah. that's like, I remember getting dropped off to school listening to like Metallica's Black Album, which, you know, ne- <laughs> isn't necessarily the 80s, but, you know, that era. Or right. like uh yeah. like Scorpions or White Snake or Van Halen or um ACDC, you know, like stuff like that. You know, Ozzy Osbourne. So I just thought that was the coolest shit in the world. Like, how can you listen to Mr. Crowley and not think that's like the coolest song in the world? You know, it's oh dude. It's perfect. Like Ozzy is a as an icon, he's a god. He's like the coolest singer in the world. And like he's just rock and roll. And like Motorhead was another one. Because I feel like in the 80s, metal still was like melodic, you know? Yeah. Uh, um, it was still blues-based, still. But like, you know, everyone wanted to be like the hardest band, but still have like pop sensibility. Like if you listen to like No One Like You by the Scorpions, that's a pop song, you know? Right. Realized I really liked that. And at some point in my life, I mistook uh, what I liked about metal. And I liked the more, I thought I liked the more gnarly aspects of it. But when I realized it, I was like, no, this is just good melodies. So that's yeah. when I kind of like, at a certain point, I was like, I didn't like any band, any metal band after, you know, 94 or whatever. So that's kind of like when I stopped shifting to more pop centric stuff, you know. But yeah, to go back to it, that era of 80s metal, I think is the coolest thing in the world. Yeah, you're right. Like that was when metal still was focused on pop hooks and pop sensibility and because then like the grunge era starts coming in and Alice yeah. Chains and I'm talking as if I lived through it, but you know, I was not even thought of when <laughs> something was going on. So wait, how old are you? I, I don't mean to date you, but I got to know. Oh, I am 26. I was born in 1995. Oh my God. You're a baby. That's what I tell myself. 26. Oh my God. I thought you were older than that. So you're 26. Yeah. God. So I was I was 14 when you were born, if my math is correct. No, I was 13. My math is not correct. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So tell me, like, where would you pinpoint your style as a guitarist? My whole MO has just been, like, learn as much as you can from people you like. And if you like this, learn as much as you can about it. If you don't like it, don't worry about it. Like, sweet picking, I I think it's cool and it goes with the metal thing, but I just never wanted to learn how to do dumb stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, not okay. If you can sweet pick, I'm sorry. I'm really jealous that you can sweet pick, but yeah, so I, I just, yeah, I'm, <laughs> it's just not for me, but, but who are some of the players that you loved and, and you think were your influences off the top of my head? It's gotta be, uh, Ace Freely from kiss. Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin and Kirk Hammett from Metallica. Those are the three that like really solidified. And they're all like, if you break it down, they're all blues guitar players. Yeah. And they're all, you know, pentatonic scale shredders. But there's just so much, especially with Jimmy Page, there's just so much style and like swagger to his playing. Mm-hmm. I just think it's the coolest thing. And nothing, I can bet, like, nothing's better than just like ripping some like Led Zeppelin esque solo over some like. <laughs> 12 bar blues thing like that's my bread and butter but you know but people that like had melody to their playing you know and people that had like hooks and like you can sing the solo to stairway to heaven you know and 
It's not just like wailing just for the sake of wailing. It's like adding to the song. <sighs> oh, man. Well, we look forward to everything that's, that's happening. We know for sure this Danny Adriano record is going to be fantastic. And thanks for coming on the podcast, man. I, I really appreciate it. And thanks for playing on my fucking record. Dude, thanks for having me and thanks for asking me to be on the record. And there you have it, my conversation with Brandy Moore. Be sure to check out what Decent Criminal is up to. They're going to be touring a good amount. And of course, Get Married, the Moore family band. I love that whole San Jose band family tree. Great people. Thanks again to Punk News for partnering with this podcast. And thanks to you for the support. Again, please pre-order the new record, Oblivion. Go to dividedheaven.com and pre-order the record wherever you are in the world we will get it to you all right enjoy beginning of the end enjoy burn me enjoy all the music and enjoy all of randy's music and i'll see y'all next week let's get it